You're listening to The Q's Podcast, episode 113. Hello, Q's Nation. Welcome to show number 113. My name is James Lenz, Q's Professional Development Manager, your host and editor of the show. We use this special delivery channel to speak with credit union industry leaders and cross-industry experts for a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. You may have just completed listening to episodes 111 and 112 of this Q's podcast episode series devoted to bringing you an economic outlook to help you better understand this dynamic environment. CUNA Mutual Group's Chief Economist Steve Rick shared his U.S. perspective in Episode 111, and Brian Yu, Chief Economist at Canada's Central One, shared his Canadian perspective in Episode 112. Our guest for today's episode is Dan Berger. Many of you recognize Dan Berger as the President and CEO of NAFQ. The National Association of Federally Insured Credit Unions' mission is to strengthen credit unions by providing the best federal advocacy, education, and compliance assistance in the industry. Dan first joined NAFQ in 2006 and President and CEO in 2013. Berger is also an author and economist and one of Washington's top lobbyists. He's a well-known figure with political and financial press. He's also a recurring guest on Fox Business and has appeared on CNBC and CNN. you also find him regularly quoted in the national and financial news outlets such as Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, and Bloomberg. Now let's join the conversation and gain Dan Berger's perspective on the U.S. economy. Hello, Dan. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Look forward to it. Now, Dan, we often start the show by asking our guests if they have a mantra or success quote that they live by to allow our listeners to get to know you a little bit more and to add some perspective. Dan, do you have a mantra or success quote that you would be willing to share with our listeners? Actually, James, I have two. The first one is Coach Bobby Bowden, Florida State's legendary football coach. He always told players, uh, work hard on being 1% better every day. So in anything you do, whether in life, in athletics, business, whatever, try to be 1% better every day. Don't succeed every day, but that is my goal every morning that I get up and come to the office is to try to be 1% better every day. And then of course, the, the next one is it, when you walk into NAFQ headquarters here in Washington, DC, in the NAFQ lobby, it says on the wall, our employees are our greatest asset. And that's true. You take care of your employees, you take care of your staff, and then in turn, they take care of our members. You have to do that. And it's just, you have to take care of your staff, whether it's the, the compensation and the benefits and things like that, but more importantly, creating a culture uh, that they want to work in. And so those are my two mantras that I try to live by every day. Great nuggets of advice. Thank you for sharing that. Always moving forward, always growing. I love that. And it's about the people business. Wonderful. Now, as we speak here during the middle and end of February 2021, there's both positive and negative news for the coming year. There is a greater sense of hope now with the progression of the vaccine distribution. On the negative side, there are still so many unknowns. Today, we are going to focus on the economic outlook in 2021 and beyond. Perhaps the first place we could look at is the four-letter word, 
jobs. Now, Dan, wasn't it just a, a little over a year ago that we had the lowest unemployment rate in the United States and then the pandemic hit? I mean, what was the highest unemployment rate in 2020 that you can recall? And, and where are we now in terms of unemployment rate? And what are your projections for the labor market for the remainder of 2021 and then heading into next year? James, you're absolutely right. The lowest unemployment rate we had was about a year ago, and it was three and a half percent. And then in April, it spiked up to 15%. And it's now settled back down to about 6.5%, 6.3%, uh, depending where you look. But there's a lot of damage done when everything got shut down. And, and unfortunately, it really impacted folks in the lower social economic uh, environment that we operate in the most. And, and that's the folks that work in the restaurants and hospitality and things along those lines. It was absolutely devastating, and it still is. It's beginning to trickle back, but it's still elevated and will probably remain elevated, I think, for the rest of 2021. We have a higher unemployment rate now. Of course, that has gotten smaller, which is a positive thing. But consumer spending obviously has taken a hit. We've also had predictions and, and actualities of evictions, foreclosures, personal bankruptcies. To counter the economic downturn and provide relief for impacted households and businesses, governments across the world have enacted record amounts of stimulus. What kind of impact did these measures take? Will they take? What do you see happening next, Dan? They'll be extremely helpful for, for the folks that need it. I, I think they're looking to enact some type of means testing. So make sure the people who really need it, need it. And, that, and people who don't need it, don't receive it. That's kind of the debate that's going on mm -hmm. behind the scenes right now in the sausage making that is Washington, D.C. But no, the stimulus is going to be very helpful. I think you're going to see Congress and the various regulatory agencies that have the ability to provide funding to local governments, state governments, to individuals. I think that continues on. Through 2021. I know they're talking about an infrastructure bill and, and shovel-ready projects and things along those lines. That'll have a tremendous impact as well. Thank you for sharing. What will it take, though, to get back to the very, very low unemployment rates we had before the pandemic? I mean, do you see that happening? What needs to take shape? I, I think continuous stimulus, targeted stimulus, needs to uh, occur uh, the vaccine has to be uh, you know, widespread. We have to see scientific results of the virus abating and, and slowly going away. It's never really going to go away. Flu's always out there, but that has to, that'll be an impact. I think the mask will still be part of our lives going into 2022. But for the, for the economy to continue to start humming again, increase stimulus, um, you know, so those businesses can, can reopen. But the vaccine, it all hinges on the vaccine and everybody getting their two shots. And now I think I read there were Johnson and Johnson's going to have a single shot and some other companies are looking at single shot vaccines. When those start rolling out, that'll have tremendous positive impact. And, and, and quite frankly, James, optimism, you know, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of some so much of it is, is psychology on whether it's the consumer spending and people feeling good and, and feeling safe enough to go out and, and spend again and, and it. Get, go out in the community and go to the restaurants and, and go travel and stay in the hotels and things along those lines. But it hinges, the catalyst for all this to really work uh, is the vaccine. It's so exciting that there are other vaccines on the horizon that certainly will help incredibly. But that's interesting. You brought up the psychological elements that are into play here. You know, that probably goes down to job security, right? Uh, more and more spending opportunities there, but also spending quality time with family. Yeah, there's so many things that go into that, just feeling like it's a good time to maybe embark on some of those spending that obviously people have been withholding on. 
Yeah, and, and we saw that. If you, if you look at it, it was record amounts of uh, liquidity at, at, within the credit union industry because people were saving. They, they got their stimulus check and they just weren't spending it. And I think some of the folks in Congress and the economists were hoping they were going to go out and use some of that, but they were reluctant to do it for safety concerns, for, and you mentioned it, job security. I don't know what's going to happen with my job. Uh, and things along those lines. And so the second round of stimulus, targeted stimulus, I think that's positive, but it, it all hinges on that vaccine being widespread and people getting their shots. It's been a crazy time for credit unions, pandemics, social unrest, and uncertain economy were hallmarks of 2020. What things have you seen credit unions do that have served them well in responding to last year's big issues? I'm so proud to advocate for the credit union industry. Uh, they're actually the stories I hear from across the country with, you know, skip a pay programs and you know, workout loans and things along those lines. And that's the difference between us and, and, and the big banks. People were helping folks even before Congress said they had to do it with moratoriums and things along those lines in, in terms of forbearance. This industry has really responded to their members as well as their communities. And, and so credit unions have come up with very innovative programs to, to help their members through this. And that's where in the long run, people are going to remember that institution that was there that did a workout loan form or did some loan modifications form. They're going to remember that. And that, that loyalty, you can't buy a full page ad like when Wells Fargo does try to reestablish trust, you have to build that over time. And that's what credit unions have. They have this incredible amount of trust and it's even built upon even further through 2020. And you'll see it throughout 2021 as well. Yeah. Great examples there. And of course, the great differentiation with credit unions versus other financial institutions. Now, what are some trends you are seeing as we move into 2021 that credit unions might want to respond to or, or watch out for? We're seeing a large migration of people from big cities. Everybody was, uh, we had teleworking here at NAFQ, but a lot of people were piloting it and may not have had it, you know, company-wide or, or so to speak. But now they're showing that it can be done. People can do their work and be held accountable to do their work. I think you're going to continue to see some of that migration. People live in the big cities and going to places that they always wanted to live. You know what? I can work from anywhere now and my employers are going to allow me to work anywhere. I want to live in, you know, Vail, Colorado or Key West, Florida or Nashville, Tennessee or Austin, Texas. You know what I mean? Just those dynamic places, especially with young people. They're like, you know what? I can work from anywhere. Let's go live where we want to live, not necessarily where my job is and is forcing me to live. Mm -hmm. And you're going to, I think that migration is going to continue. It's beginning to slow down a little bit, but I think you're going to see that continue a little bit. Yeah. I don't see that reversing. It may change a little bit in the rate, but long-term, you know, those are options that didn't exist before. I think it's general trust in, you know, accountability and just parameters and scaling so many great ways to scale. And so, you know, we are forced to do this. And uh, I think organizations, individuals, and teams have handled it so well. I think that changes economics, you know, changes housing markets or shifts going on. The impact is incredible if you really think about it. It really is incredible. And uh, we invested heavily technology here at NAFQ several years ago, not to be prescient because of a, a virus. But when I became CEO, we had a snowstorm here in the Washington, D.C. area. Where we had five or six feet of snow. I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and everything shut down, as you can imagine. I said, we can't operate that way. So I went to my board of directors and, and they immediately unanimously supported it. 
So everybody got laptops and cameras and microphone capabilities and things like that. So when we shut down here at our headquarters, I guess, March 13th, we were digital, fully virtual within 24 hours. Beautiful. Because we had that platform. And so I, with all the, there's something, I don't know, 12,000, 15,000 trade associations in Washington, D.C. Some of them, it took six to nine months to kind of find the platforms and, and, and be able to deliver content. We could deliver content immediately and all our conferences switched over to virtual. And now we're beginning to do hybrid conferences, some of it in person and, and, and some of it online. And so because of that investment and, and the strategic vision of my board of directors that are all credit union CEOs, by the way, we could flip the switch and, and, and pivot. And, and so that proved we always had teleworking mm -hmm. in some format at NAFTU, but it just accelerated everybody's looking yeah. at you know, yeah. teleworking. And so, and, and, and it works and it doesn't work with every position, as mm -hmm. you know, right. um, but it, it works the vast majority. I don't care if you do it at a coffee shop and I don't care if you do it at two in the morning, yeah. get your work done and you have something uh, deliverable by, you know, 3 p.m. on Friday and you mm -hmm. get it done. I don't care how you get it done. Yeah get it done. And then so, and I think that dynamic is going to be with us for a long time, James, like you yeah. mentioned, is that the workforce is going to start demanding that. And, and we've seen that we, we have people working in different states around the country. It works and they prefer that. I, I want to be with my family in South Dakota, or I want to be in, with my family. We have an employee in Madison, Wisconsin. And so it works. And then it mm -hmm. just, we give them that type of flexibility, but it takes the investment in that infrastructure to provide that flexibility. And, uh, um, but uh, having said all that, though, James, this is a terrible environment. I, I really dislike working in this environment. <laughs> now, I'm a, I'm a, yeah. I'm a, a type A extrovert. I like seeing people in person. Yeah. I like going up and into Madison and Bob Trunzo and the whole team up there and not being able to do that is really frustrating to me. The relationships you build within the credit union industry with supporters like CUNY Mutual Group and, and others, that connection that you have for a common goal of supporting the credit union industry, it's really powerful. And, and not to be able to do it in person, I find really frustrating. And so I'm, I can't wait till we go back in person. One of my first trips will be up to Madison. As you said, you set up the infrastructure. What you have done and what organizations have done very recently, obviously due to the pandemic where you did it prior to that, you know, it's like turning on a switch. You are ready to go. So great preparation there. Now let's shift gears here. What are the expectations for the impact on the economy of the new Biden administration? I think it's going to be twofold. I think under the Trump administration, we saw kind of a deregulation occur, which was beneficial, quite honestly, to the credit union industry, where we can in turn do more for credit union members and, and their communities. But with the, the Biden administration, we're going to see more stimulus and, and to really help our economy and, and help the, the, the folks out there because there's a lot of people hurting across our country. And, and especially folks, like we mentioned earlier, in the restaurants and hospitality industry, hotels, airlines things along those lines. But you, I think you're going to see a lot of focus on trying to help those that really need it, number one. But I think you're also going to see a focus on some of the social justice issues as well, the inequality issues and, and things along those lines. To have that discussion is awesome and it's needed. And you can define and point to inequality in various channels throughout our society and, and throughout America. But I think you'll see further engagement along those type of discussions. Now, besides economic considerations, what are some other ways that the new administration might impact credit unions? You actually just mentioned some of those things. Anything else you wanted to mention here? Yeah, I, I think you'll see some 
increase activity with community development financial institutions. I think you'll see some increased CDFI funding in order to help those parts of our communities, parts of our economy, an individual that were just devastated by COVID. And you'll see that. And I think they'll see a lot of that through CDFIs. And, and I think that's a real good thing for the economy, good thing for America, good thing for the people that really need it. I, I think that most of it still relies on Congress to provide the appropriations in, in order to take care of the folks out there that really need it. Yeah, CDFIs, I've had a couple of guests uh, talk about that, and they can make such a difference for the community. It's a way for a credit union to be very inclusive you know, in their community and to, to serve, serve all. All right. Now, what can credit unions do to best manage these kinds of changes for the organization and members? Well, you're going to see an influx of liquidity coming. That provides an opportunity uh, for credit unions to, to make more loans. And uh, I think you're going to see them be very aggressive out in their communities and in marketing and reaching out to their members and, and providing loans to the folks that need it, small businesses that need it, maybe a, a shot if they need a new vehicle. They held off for a while and kept running and, and driving their clunker and then they need to change it. And uh, I think there's going to be some opportunities for doing that. But credit unions have historically always done a great job of serving low and moderate income households. And it's the working men and women of our country. And they've done a great job. And I think you're going to continue to see them do that. I think that we got some more stuff to get through in 2021 in regards to the COVID and cranking up the economy and, and get more people and to be financially inclusive uh, with the economy. And you'll see some more of that coming up. And, and it'll really, I equate it to laying the runway in 2021 so you can really take off in, in 2022. But I'm so pleased with, with, with this industry and the CEOs I speak to across the country and the jobs that they're doing. I mean, it's, it's really been an incredible effort across the board and I don't see it stopping. That's such uh, wonderful, positive news. It means a lot that you're here. Now, if people want to, to connect with you and with your organization, Dan, what's the, the best way for them to connect? A couple ways. Of course, our website's nafcu.org, N-A-F-C-U.org. I'm on LinkedIn. That's B. Dan Berger. And I'm also on Twitter. That's also B. Dan Berger. Reach out. Love to connect. We respond within 24 hours. So we're known for our res responsiveness, James. And so you send me an email or give me a phone call, you will be in touch with me. So I, I look forward to folks reaching out. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for serving as guests and for spending some time with Q's Podcast Nation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, James. Thank you to Dan Berger for serving as guest for this episode and Steve Rick and Brian Yu for serving as guest in the previous two Q's Podcast episodes. This episode concludes our three-part series dedicated to providing you views and perspectives on the economic climate. I also want to take this opportunity to encourage you to visit a couple of our links to find out more about some of our new and exciting programs. For more information on our new Q's High Performing Board Digital Series, one fee for your entire board, your board liaison, and your CEO, please visit Q's.org HPB. You might also be interested in learning more about our digital marketing options and opportunities, you can do so by enrolling in our all online strategy and digital marketing Cornell certificate program that Q's is offering starting on April 21st of this year, 2021. Learn more at qs.org/ecornell-marketing. If you are a Q's member, you have access to invaluable membership benefits to further enhance your development. Visit qs.org/membership to learn more. 
Hughes is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs, executives, directors, and future leaders. To learn how Q's can help you realize your potential, visit q's.org today.